0: Well, as Mindy already alluded to, this morning uh, we are doing what we call Calvary Stories, uh, where we talk to a couple people from our church. And I love Calvary Stories for a few reasons. One, I always am encouraged when I hear uh, from other people in the congregation and learn more about them. And it's a great reminder to all of us that we are the church and that we need one another and that we we need to learn from one another, because God has created us as a body with a variety of gifts and histories and uh, talents in order to serve and to build one another up. I also like it because I don't have to prepare a sermon for this Sunday. Uh, but more than that, it just is an encouragement to me that God, and through His Spirit, speaks to our entire church. And uh, We can only learn things through one another's story that we couldn't learn from hearing from just one person. So with that in mind, I wanna invite Annalisa Setter, she's gonna share with us first to come on up and just invite, yeah, all of us to have a posture of listening not only to Annalisa and what she has to say but also what God's spirit is saying to all of us. And just keep this in mind too as you're encouraged, I hope that you're encouraged from these stories this morning um, that your story is important too. And it's important for us to be sharing with others because God has imparted upon each one of us something to be able to share to to encourage the body. And also keep in mind if you see me coming towards you one day that I might ask you to participate in being this. And I just pray that you be I heard when somebody he comes say, run. I heard somebody say yay in the background. That was great. <laughs> I still, I only heard yay, so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Annalisa, thank you for being a part of this. I met you a couple years ago on Zoom when you were part of the search committee who's looking for me, and um, Annalisa, if you don't know, she serves uh, with our tellers, you serve on our administration team that kind of looks after the building and rentals, and you also, most importantly, oversee our coffee ministry, right? Yeah, so. And you've been at Calvary for a while and you have many connections here. I'm just wondering, are you, can you share with those of us uh, who may not be familiar a bit of your story and give us some context about who you are?
1: All right, I hope you can hear me. I- I can't hear you, I have had clogged ears for the last little while so I may come across a little stumbly but um, hopefully you can hear what I say. Uh, <clears throat> I was born in Amsterdam and in 1956 with my parents and my older brother we emigrated to Canada and until I was 15 I lived in Vancouver. Uh, we moved around quite a bit in the Vancouver area, different rentals and different homes. I don't remember how exactly, but I became involved with the girls' club at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, um, which was one of our founding churches way back, Um, would have been well over 100 years if it was still standing. Uh, I remember somebody picking me up and taking me to the church and then... uh, bringing me home afterwards. And one weekend, we had a, a, a retreat weekend for, just for the girls, and we went to a place that no longer exists. It's the um, Barnett Bible Camp, or Bible School, which was in Port Moody, just up off Barnett Highway. Um, I think I was about eight years old at that time. And during that time, there was somebody that that spoke with us and I realized that it was something I needed to do was that I needed to meet Jesus and that's when I gave my life to Jesus. Um, At 15 years old, after having been in Vancouver since I was six, we moved to Coquitlam, just to the other side of Como Lake Avenue over here, um, not far from where uh, Harry and Judy live now. And at that time, the closest junior high school was Banting, which is right by your place. Um, and so it was, it was a good walk to go from where I lived down to Banting School, if you know where that is. And it came very obvious very quickly that there was another young woman who also had to walk there. She just walked just a couple of doors down from us. So we started walking together. Her name was Melinda. And Melinda attended here at Calvary Baptist. She was part of the youth group, and she invited me to come. I had been wanting to get involved with the church again. Hadn't been for a long time because, as I said, we moved around in Vancouver a lot. And so even though I had been at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church for the girls' club and probably Sunday school as well, that kind of stopped after a while because, well, there had to be somebody that took you there. So I came, and at that time, another interesting little note, the church was located on the corner of Poirier and Grover. It was a small portable building, um, just one big room with a little space for an office in the back. Uh, A couple of weeks after I started coming, they moved it down to this location. Came down by truck. I remember watching it come down, come down the hill, and then planting it here. Um, but I became involved with the church, and before long I was part of the youth group. I was singing in the choir. I um, was helping in Sunday school and, and did all sorts of other different things. It was, uh, it was a very vital church. It was a, a good place to be. Later on, I was baptized at Blue Mountain Baptist Church because, well, being a small portable building, Calvary didn't have a baptismal tank. So we our sister church, Blue Mountain, was where we were baptized, where I was baptized. After graduation, I attended Vancouver Bible Institute for a year. And you would think that I would be well on my way to be a faithful div- disciple and uh, of Christ and, and have my life in order. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. I started wandering, and for several years, I walked away from God and the church. But God is faithful. My dad had started attending Blue Mountain Church, and he kept urging me to come with him. And so finally, after his constant nagging, I said, okay, all right, I'll come. And I went with him. And that service was incredible. It was a service of testimonies and people who had uh, realized that they needed to come back to God. And, and I, there wasn't no a way I could refuse God's call again and I came back and, and rededicated my life to the Lord. In 1974, I met my future husband, Ron, and in 1975, we were married. We have three sons, David, Aaron, and Nathan, and we also have seven grandchildren. Our middle son, Aaron, and his wife, Jessica, were married here, and they still and their kids still attend Calvary. My journeys had ups and downs, and I've not always been faithful to God, but God has always been faithful to me. Even in times when I strayed, I always considered that Calvary was my home.
0: Wow. Thanks for sharing with us. Um, so the last several weeks, we've been in a sermon series where we've been focused on who we're becoming, talking about our church's vision statement and our core values. And one of the values within our statement says that we are an intergenerational community. And, uh, you know, you've been at Calvary for a long time, you attend with your husband, you're, you have kids who go here, grandchildren who go here. And so, I was wondering if you'd be able to share some of your own experiences of intergenerational interactions within the church that have positively impacted you or the church as a whole. And maybe you could also talk about how our church can continue to create an atmosphere where every generation feels value and heard and there's opportunities for each one to um, for the church's growth and development in being intergenerational.
1: As I shared with you my story, you'll notice that uh, it it spans quite a number of years. Google tells us that a generation is uh, typically refers to a period of 15 to 20 years, which means that I'm now in my fourth generation. Hard to believe, but yes. Um, I thought I'd be a lot wiser by this time. Each of those generations of my life, the church has been important. As a child, as a youth, as an adult, and I'm not gonna say senior, but as an older adult. (laughs) Through the ministry of a girls club at Mount Pleasant Baptist, I came to know Jesus. As a young person here at Calvary, I became involved in church ministry. As a wife and a mother, it was important for me that there were places where my children could attend clubs, go to Sunday school, and make friends. I also found friendships with people of all ages being involved in, by being involved in ministry. And um, I remember people like Art Zink, a man who was here when I first started at Calvary when I was 15. And... Um, he was here serving the congregation until the, he died just several years ago. I remember we were having a hard time because the music was changing in the church. Things were starting to be a little bit different. The kids were, we were having different kinds of music and some of the older generation were feeling a little frightened by this. They didn't like it very much. Drums and, and no organ and guitars and piano, my goodness, that just wasn't the way it should be. But Art stood up and he said, you know, he says, we have to welcome all generations. He says, and this is the younger generation coming up. We need to be for them as well. They need to have the music that they enjoy. Um, I think if we realize how important each generation is, we will value it. I, in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about how we are all part of one body. We all have different gifts, and each one is important to the body of the church. Those gifts are not just distributed to one generation. They aren't just all for the older adults or for the adults. They're given to every generation, to our children, to our youth, and 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 everyone else. And so it's important that each generation is encouraged to use their gifts. Um, in my life, I've had many opportunities to use my gifts. I worked in the nursery, I taught Sunday school, was a youth sponsor, I was part of the worship team. I volunteered on many committees, and at one time I was the church custodian, and then afterwards I worked as, a number of years as the uh, office administrator. Now I lead a team of tellers, as Dave has said, and I organize the coffee ministries for Sunday morning. As an aside, we could use more volunteers in the coffee ministry, so if you are so inclined, come talk to me. As a grandmother, I am thrilled when I hear how my kids volunteered, my grandkids volunteered in the summer ministry, and what a great job they did. I love that my, son, my grandson, Cohen, plays on the worship team and that Laney serves in the nursery and, and in toddler Sunday school. I see Mindy and Elazar, two young people who, uh, people who grew up here in the church, and I see them using their gifts, serving uh, in the elders ministry. It's exciting, it's fantastic. And then I think of Chris Price who came here Dragged in by his parents. He did not want to be here. Oh, he didn't want to be here. He was in our youth group and he would sit at the back of the group and scowl the whole time he was here. Oh, it was hard. But now I see him as a part of a vital ministry in Vancouver that is reaching out to the generations in Vancouver. It's it's so exciting. It's thrilling to see. Things change. The way Calvary was when I started here at 15 is much different than the way it is now. I'm just, I was struck this morning by the, the thought that we could do our offering by our phone as we sit here in church. Oh my, things have changed. Oh my goodness, they've changed. We didn't even use to write checks on Sunday morning most of the time. It was usually just cash. So it has changed. Some things are good. Some things maybe not so good. But we, we have to embrace that change. And, it's, and it, in most cases, it is generational. There are some things that have cha- haven't changed, though. God is still faithful. He always will be. That won't change. I still see people... Here serve God wholeheartedly in many different ways. There are many different generations, young and old. I saw <laughs> I saw your son earlier go over to and and give a good greeting <laughs> to Mary over there. And I was I I was thrilled. I thought that's so cool. That's so cool. Anyways, I'm sorry. Just <laughs> uh,
0: be sorry. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, there are many generations here now that call Calvary their home, uh, old and young, and that's the way it should be. Inter- being intergenerational is vital. It can't change. It would be terrible if we were a church of all old people. So I'm, I think um, we're doing okay. I love it when I see all the kids run out on Sunday morning. And every morning, every time I look, I say, okay, I think there's more. I think there's more. Mm -hmm. And that's so cool. So, anyways, that's all I have to say.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing with us, Annalisa. Can we show our appreciation for Annalisa? You said it would be awful if we were a church of only old people, but... Just let me say that it would be awful if we were only a church of just any generation, even if it was just young people, too. We need each other. And I'm so grateful for you uh, and just your testimony this morning of not only God's work in your own life, but in this church and the encouragement it is for all of us to be involved and be open to how God is leading us. So can I pray for you? Yeah. Father, thank you so much for Annalisa and for your faithfulness in her life. Thank you for how you have guided her and just for the gift that she has been to this expression of your body here at Calvary Baptist. We just pray for continued healing in her life. Open her ears, Lord, uh, from the infection she's had and just pray, God, that you would just continue to walk with her and Ron, with their kids and grandchildren and would your blessing be upon them. And just thank you so much for our sister in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, next I'm going to invite up Khalil Ashanti. Where are you? There you are, buddy. Awesome. Khalil has been, you guys have been coming to the church almost as long as I've been at Calvary. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. About the same, same amount of time. And you came with who? The Van Hemens. Well, no, I meant
2: your family. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, them too. Um, no, uh, my wife, Lydia and my three wonderful boys, Zion, Sabian, and Asa. But honestly, we started coming here because you used to have Easter events or Christmas events and we would bring the kids. And kids are always a great way to get you to meet new people. And I'm not the most social person, so Michael and Brenda have been wonderful friends. And we went to 10th Avenue Alliance with them when we lived on the other side of the world. So we're, it's
0: good to be here. Awesome. Well, it's, it's been a real pleasure for me to get to know your family and be able to, to meet up with you and to hear more about your story. But for those who are unfamiliar, can you share some of your story with us so we know a bit of who you are?
2: Yeah, um, I was, um, gosh, I just, I'll have to give you the short version, but um, born in Germany, raised in Japan. Until um, I was 12, went to high school in Iowa, so that was a culture shock, um, a bit. Um, Dad was in the military, um, but I feel like I was just wondering how I should share this with the congregation. It's just that God's fingerprint has been so wonderful in my life at the worst of times. Had a a pretty violently abusive childhood, mm. um, found peace. By uh, joining the U.S. Air Force, um, my job in the Air Force was breakdancing for troops in some of the most dangerous parts of the world, which then led me to performing magic in Japanese at Caesar's Palace and becoming an entrepreneur and uh, learning to write code and 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 taking my story to Broadway and and um, but just failing along the way, not really. But it was really, so I started with saying that my kids came here was that I really feel like youth groups saved my life in many ways. Because the youth in in Iowa, we went to church. It was like there was going to church, and then there was being the church. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I feel like because I had so many experiences with travel, I got to see how you can can be the church even when you don't have time to go. How my grandmother, we had, you know, uh, there's a generation of black people who had what she called big mama, you know, she'd tough love and she'd cook you some collard greens and talk to you and just tell you about the world. And those things really stuck with me. And, and it really affected me with all the pain and the trauma I was dealing with. It really made me think I'd love for our kids to go to a church where the youth, where they, they, they can have other people speak into their lives. And, um, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the short version. It's not exactly linear, but that's kind of, I'm an entrepreneur. I started a company called Mantis XR. We create 3D commerce experiences for, for sports teams, and um, I still perform every once in a while. My life story has been optioned as a feature film.
0: Yeah. Well, if you want to know more about Khalil, he enjoys going out for... Uh, chai lattes? No, what was it? The teas that you like to get? I don't know. I oh, drink I, coffee only. Yeah, so. no, no, I don't drink. It. it had oat milk in it. Yeah, there it, it is. But um, he can speak to you also in Japanese if you like, which is really interesting. Yeah, yeah, so. that was
2: yeah, lots of weird stuff going on there.
0: So the last couple of months, we, as I said, we've been doing a sermon series, and we talked with Annalisa. What does it mean to be an intergenerational church? But I want to speak to you specifically about our desire to be more cross-cultural, to be this cross-cultural church that represents, um, yeah, it's more representative of the area in which we live, which is very cross-cultural, and ideally, like, we want to represent the picture that God has of his church that is made up of people of every tribe, nation, and tongue. And, um, yeah, so... As a black man who's living in the lower mainland of BC, I was wondering can you describe for us your experience, what it's like to be a part of the local church?
2: It's been challenging. Um, It's, you know, it feels like growing up, I never thought I would be the one to, I thought everybody left the house and wanted to go live somewhere else. um, Because why not? There's so much of the world to discover. But it it was interesting moving here. uh, Lydia and I moved here from Harlem, in New York, Um, and New York is diverse. So coming to Vancouver and having people tell me it's diverse, I'm like, (laughs) 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 compared to what, you know? So, so to answer your question, Dave, it's been, it's, it's. uh, I mean, I believe God brings these challenges for us to grow and. I think it's important to be open to things, but it's just, you know, people on the sky trying to ask me if I'm with the BC Lions, yeah. you know. I mean, it's, it's been crazy how you come to the front door of a new church, and they go find the nearest black person, and they go, oh, there's, <laughs> right? It's, it's been really kind of, and it, makes, it, makes, it always made me feel other right? It made me feel like I'm an anomaly, like a bald eagle, like, oh, look at that. Like, or when you, you know, they say, oh, no, no, Vancouver's diverse. We, I saw a black person at school the other day. It's like, we're not bald eagles, right? We're, it's, it does make me, like, I want my kids, for instance, to see, when they see black people at church, I don't want it to be on a tear fund ad, right? It, like, Africa's a beautiful, powerful place. Everybody there isn't in need of our help. Like, there's some of the mineral rich. So I don't know, man. It's It's been rough, Dave. It's been, I really would love for it to be not remarkable and to, you know, to not feel like a, a sighting, you know, yeah. because I think people mean well, but I think, and also said it well, it's like change, you know, we are, I, I talked about people leaving their homes. It's like if we live in a society where, you know, God said go out into the world, not into the basement, right? If everybody, nobody ever leaves their hometown and, and experiences what the world is like, how do we bring that into this church and be able to draw people from out there and here if all we know is what we've ever done? And so for me, it's been kind of a, a challenge being a black man in, in Vancouver in BC, and BC and you kinda, you see someone else that's black, you go, huh, you too, huh? Yeah, you know? Um, so, so yeah, it's been a challenge. Well, thanks for, yeah, sharing that
0: vulnerability with us. And just even the chance or even taking me up on my offer to talk about this. Because I think sometimes we don't know how to talk about these things, right? And it can feel a little unnerving because we don't want to make a mistake. But if mistakes are going to prevent us from speaking about these things, then we're never going to, to change or open ourselves up to the possibility of change.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. And, and I think it's, you know, mistakes mean we're learning though. And and I think change and creativity is a messy process. And mm. I feel like, you know, if we stop putting a premium on getting the right answer all the time and start putting a premium on trying and being intentional, I, I think there's so much room uh, for growth and for opportunity and, and, um, and, and um, just the to reflect the vibrancy of what God has for us.
0: Yeah. Now, in any of these values that we put out there and said, this is the thing that we want to become, we recognize that there is great worth in in achieving, like becoming any of these things, whether it's generous or intergenerational or cross-cultural, we recognize that there is going to be values in that. But we... We have to be honest and know that there's going to be difficulty along the way, that there's going to be uh, tension or conflict or just hurdles that we have to overcome. What do you think are some of those obstacles or hurdles that church like Calvary might encounter as we journey towards becoming more cross-cultural?
2: I would say ego. Um, change is a threat. Um, I work in the technology industry. I used to teach coding to adults. And it seems like the older we get, the more we don't want to travel outside of our comfort zone. We, you know, um, I think we're raised in a system, an education system, where you're told just learn this much and then you're done learning. And I don't feel like, I I, I mean, I can't remember a time in the Bible when Jesus asked someone to do something. They were like, oh, I thought you'd never ask. I've been building arcs for years or whatever, right? It's... I th- I think the challenges that we face are that change is uncomfortable and that if we as a church truly want that then how do we put our shoulder behind that and invite uncertainty how do we look at the music and say is it boring are my kids actually because it's not for us I turned 50 on November 3rd I'm you know I'm on the other end of the spectrum is this is this going to make our kids want to invite their friends right, right? is this how do we sort of, you know, I like the QR code thing. That's a great example. And I think it's great that you have the courage to bring this conversation to the forefront because I feel like if we can do that and let people know that a QR code actually leads to a website, it's just like checking your email, right? <laughs> it's, it's very It can be secure as long as on the other end it's done well, but... I think ego is really a difficult thing to get up, get around especially if you're catering to a generation that expects things to be their way because they you know this is the way we've always done it and I think the words this is the way we've always done it are sort of a it's a, it's a bottomless pit that you can deeply fall in and the other thing I wanted to say was. Change comes so fast that if you don't stay ahead of it, if you don't... Now, I, I think we have to find a balance. We're not going to change every month. We have to, you know, we, we know who our, we, where we find our worth and what we stand for as a church. But you also don't want to get left behind. You know, we don't want the church to empty out.
0: Yeah. Invite uncertainty. I think those are going to be words that I'm going to be chewing on this afternoon. Um, okay, so regarding diversity... A common critique that would be given to churches or different organizations is that diversity can be about optics, less than just being a genuine expression or genuine integration. So how do we then, as a church who wants to do things authentically, how do we become cross-cultural and make sure that our efforts are genuine and not symbolic or just performative?
2: You know, I, I think... Part of that is that the people in decision-making positions are women. People in decision-making positions and visible positions have a lived experience outside of the current uh, situation. I, I, I mean, and I'm not just talking about Black people, Hispanic people, Korean. Like you name it. Like there's so many different. You know, God has created so many different ways for us to relate to each other in origins. It's that. If we can sort of create this this um, this narrative of change and diversity from a place of input rather than a place of comfort, then I think it reflects itself in drawing people from those communities here, right? Because I I know I've <laughs> when I go to uh, when I'm traveling and I go through the border and this there's a a black border guard and and he's like. Uh, hey, will you go to church, man? I said, yeah, yes, sir. He said, will you go to church? And I said, well, here. And black people have a, re, a tendency of recommending black churches to other black people, right? And and so you, you need to check out this church, right? And so there's this int- there's this way that if, if we have these conversations internally, um, from inviting the communities that we wish to reach and saying, hey, here's what we're thinking, here's what we'd like to do, here's I mean I keep coming back to music because I I think music is the ultimate universal language, right? You can you might not remember the sermon, but you remember that song had you, you know, excited.
0: Everyone remembers the sermon.
2: Oh right, right. (laughs) But before the sermon there's a worship, right? You got to walk into church and and sing first. So, um, but no, I I really think that, you know, to give you an example, we've dealt with some terrible things on uh, rental, like renting a house and met with Janet Rutledge, met with Terry Beach and come to find out all the people making decisions about rentals own several homes. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, there's there's kind of a a bias there, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's sort of, I was trying to make as an analogy for sort of what you were talking about. How do we keep it from being just optics is to make the optics real. It's like, look, here's who we have serving. Here's who we have helping us make decisions. And here's how we like to draw these people in.
0: Yeah, that's a good word. It's going to be, it, it's going to continue to be a challenge for us to do that. But I think that yeah. that's a good challenge. And God has begun to draw people into our church to make us the cross-cultural church that we desire to be, but we need to be uh, open to everyone serving in a variety of positions.
2: Yeah, and you know, Dave, I have to say, have the stakes ever been higher for our children? Right. Look at the world we're raising them in. I mean, just, we didn't have, we're phone book to Facebook kids, right? We didn't have the internet, right? It's, The hatred you see out there and, like, the lack of understanding and the people that don't get out of their own hometowns. And it's just its just really scary. And I feel like you're right. It is a challenge. But I do feel like as a church, from what Lydia and I have seen, I believe there's people here that are up for it. And I believe that whether – even if you're single, like, it's not just about people who have kids. It's about people who want to exist in a place where they can – someone who's been leading a life outside of God's, uh, willing can walk in that door and feel like they're seen and heard and witnessed and not judged. You know, I feel like it's our responsibility because we're losing these kids to, they're not going to want to go to church. The only reason they go is because they have to be here, but what if we made it so they wanted to be here? And, And I feel like it's, it's just, it's overdue and we really have to be brave to take that on. Yeah. I,
0: I agree. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Uh, if you want to know more about Khalil, he likes to go for coffee or tea. And uh, yeah, and I appreciate your entrepreneurial spirit and your even in my conversations with you, I always come away uh, dreaming and hoping what we could do more or who we could be. And I just thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, this morning, can we show some encouragement and appreciation for Khalil? Thank you. to you. So I'd just like to pray for Khalil. And as I'm praying, a worship team will invite you guys to come back up. Father, thank you so much for Khalil and for Lydia and for their boys and just for the uh, part of the body that they are here at Calvary. And just thank you so much for... Uh, yeah, for Khalil's words this morning and his encouragement, but also his challenge to us, and how you, by your Spirit, have spoken through him to us. And Lord, we come before you and we trust that you are the one who's laid before us this dream of being more cross cultural. And I just pray that we would be led by your Spirit and that we would have the courage and the boldness, uh, yeah, to venture into uncertainty but knowing that you walk alongside us and that we're not alone, that we have one another. And I thank you that we do and that you've built the body the way that you have. And just pray that you would just continue to make us more into the body of Christ that you are calling us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen.